This morning, let let me tell you a story. I may have shared this with you before, but I want to share it again just to set the the stage for this morning's lesson. Back a few years ago, my my dad preached 50 50 years in in Chester, and uh, there's a pottery uh, right there. It's a big employer in the area. It's called Homer Lachlan, China. And uh, it makes the fiesta wear and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, there was a man that knocked on our side door one day. And he, he came and he said, hello, uh, my name is so-and-so, and uh, here's my ID. And he handed my dad his ID, and he said, listen, I just moved here, and uh, I just got a job at Homer Lachlan. And but I'm not going to get paid for two weeks, and I, I need some money to live. I, I'm going to be coming to church here, but and I'll pay you back what you pay me today as soon as I get that first check. Um, and so he had that story, and of course, Dad did help him, but that was the last he ever saw of him. He never came to church. That was the end of it. Until four years later. There's another knock on the door, and a guy, same guy, comes up and says, Hello, my name's so-and-so, here's my ID, and um, I just got a job at Homer Lachlan, and and I haven't been paid yet, and I won't get paid for two weeks, and I'm wondering if if you could help me out until then. I plan on coming to church here, and I but I just need to get settled through that two weeks, and I'll pay you back as soon as you pay me. My dad said... Your memory must be shorter than mine because you came and said the very same thing four years ago. And the guy with that said something not so nice to my dad and turned around and off he went. Four years later, knock on the door. Dad goes to the side door. It's that same man. And when he sees my dad, he just goes and and walks away. He, he doesn't even say a word. Uh, I guess he didn't think the preacher stayed that long in one place. But here's a guy that was just using the church to get by. I've had the same thing along the same lines happen to me countless times through the years. Story after story of how, you know, we need help. When we get paid, we'll do this. We, we need this. We need that. And over and over again, you find out it just isn't so. There's enough of, there's enough dishonesty in people that it, it could make you cynical. You could get the attitude and the mindset that well, I'm not helping anybody because, you know, they're just out to take you. There is There are the words of Jesus in Matthew 25 that we cannot forget. Do you remember what he said in Matthew chapter 25? If you don't have or if you don't remember, grab your Bible, open it with me, and I want to read a section from Matthew chapter 25 and um, verse 31. He says in Matthew 25 and verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all with all his holy angels with him, Then he will sit on the throne of his glory and the nations will be gathered before him and he'll separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats will be on his left. 
Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me and I was in prison and you came to me. He goes through that same statement again with the goats, those on his left. And they say, when do we see you these things? And listen to how he said it. Uh, In verse 45, he sums it all up. Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it or did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me or to the sheep. Inasmuch as you did it to them, you did it to me. Heaven and hell hang in the balance of our generosity. This isn't an an all-inclusive passage, but it does tell me that at least one difference between those who go to heaven and those who go to hell, one difference will be that some were gracious and benevolent and others were not. Some fed the sick and gave those a drink that were thirsty and gave them clothing and, and visited them when they were sick and in prison, and some people didn't. So I can't just pitch it aside and say, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't have any obligation to you. Y'all are a bunch of scam artists, and we're not going to be taken. I can't afford the luxury of dealing with it that easily. It takes work. It takes effort. There's discrimination that must take place. But it is my duty, and also it's my privilege to practice benevolence. It's our privilege and duty to practice benevolence. I think we got the duty part because that means I make sacrifice. I, it's, it's not something that I would just, I, I guess, typically do, but, but sometimes we give of our own. We work hard, we earn a living, and we take of what we have earned and, and we give it away. That, that's a duty. But it's also a privilege. And why do I say it's a privilege? Well, I say it's a privilege because benevolence is a characteristic, it's a character trait of the God we serve. We talk about wanting to be godly people and to be God-like. Well, that means that we take on his character traits. And he's a benevolent God. The Bible tells us in Psalm 84, and verse 11, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's the kind of God we serve. He won't hold back from us. He'll give it to us. The Bible says in Psalm 106 and verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. And that phrase has, is used dozens of times in the book of Psalms alone. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. And that's what benevolence is. It's, it's doing good. The Bible tells us in Romans 2 and verse 4 that one of the reasons people turn from sin and come to God is because of His goodness. His goodness leads them to repentance. And so it's a duty to practice benevolence, 
but it's also a privilege because when when I give that which is mine to someone else and I make that sacrifice, I am like God. And that's one of the goals of my life. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like God. I, I want to, to have my life and his life mesh more and more so that it's kind of like a transparency where you lay down and, you, and everything lines up. So that's the privilege of benevolence. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 reminds us, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men especially under those of the household of faith. The Bible tells us also in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, Luke said that Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So benevolence is an obligation. It's a duty. It's a privilege. But here's the point. And the reason I told you the stories up front is because benevolence requires discrimination. Well, what are we supposed to do? Do we help everybody? Do we give to everybody that asks? Do we, you know, when the person comes off the street and says, which they frequently do, hey, we need a motel room tonight. My girlfriend and I need a place to stay. Well, they need a place to stay. Do we give them a room? You would think that people would be more, you know, have a sense of embarrassment to come to a church and ask for a room when they're not even married, but it happens all the time. People will come by and say, oh, well, we don't have any money and we're out of food and, and so can you help me? And they'll come by and, and 10 minutes later, another family will come by and ask for the same thing and you find out they live in the same house and they're just trying to get more trying to cheat from you. Do you just give to everybody that asks? Well, I don't believe that. I believe this. We help everybody. I don't believe we should ever not help a person, but helping a person doesn't mean that you give them what they ask. Sometimes help means you say no and you help them to own up to the responsibilities and, and stop shirking them. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, the Bible, in this particular context, he's talking about how we deal with um, the Word of God. We've been entrusted as stewards of the gospel. And it is required in stewards that they be found faithful. I know the context is talking about God has placed in our hands the gospel, but that's not the only thing that we're stewards of. We're also stewards of our wealth and our money, and the same principle is true. We have to be found faithful. Second Thessalonians 3 and verse 10 makes this statement. Paul said it. He said, listen, if a man will not work, neither let him eat. There are some people that need to go hungry and not be enabled. That's what Paul said. And then furthermore, in Luke chapter 16 and verse 11, he tells us that with regard to money, he says, if you have not been faithful with money, how do you expect to be entrusted with spiritual riches? 
So as a steward of God, I have a response. The money that we have, I have a responsibility to be faithful with it, not to be wasteful, to use it wisely. And if I don't use my money wisely, then how can I expect God to, to entrust me with spiritual things that are of far greater value? So there's a responsibility of discernment and making sure that I'm faithful in how and who I help, uh, assist in, in this fashion. And so that brings me to the point of the lesson this morning. There, there are, I want the benevolence that we do here at Carnes to be more than just you know a slice of the pie. At, at next year, next week. Probably we're, we're going to hand out our, our mission, you know, our, our work plans for the year, and it'll have all of our budget stuff and some other things in it. But, you know, you'll see in the back of that we'll, we'll have our, our pie chart. Here's how much we spent on benevolence, and here's how much we spent on evangelism and, and uh, education and all that kind of thing. And, but I want benevolence to be more than just, you know, a slice in a pie. You know, I know that every Sunday our budget's 14-5, and, and so we give money, and we know that that money that we give goes to help people. But, but we don't know anything about it. We just know it's that slice of the pie. I, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how we're helping, but, but I know we are. I, I want our benevolence to be more than that. And the vision of the church here, the, the leadership of the church here, wants our benevolence to be more than just that obligatory thing. We want it to, to be more meaningful and for all of us to be more actively involved in reflecting the character of God, benevolent. How can we do that? Well, here's two things that are going to be happening this year that involve you and involve some of our family. First of all, um, what's new in 2014 is that Dave Benner has been um, made a, a deacon just last week or the week before. He and a couple other guys uh, have different areas of work. But Dave's work is in the area of benevolence. And here basically is what we have done in the past. We have been reactive rather than proactive. Much of our benevolence through the congregation and much of your giving to help people who are in need, it, it kind of plays out in this fashion. Somebody will come to the building at some point during the week and say, hey, listen, we don't have any food. I have children. We're out of diapers. Um, we, we've got, you know, it'll be two weeks before we get our check and we have nothing left. We're, we're hungry. We haven't eaten in three days. And, and, and people will come in off the street and make these requests of us and we'll help, you know, we'll bag up groceries and give them things and so forth, and, and we'll, we'll aid them in that fashion. But that's been the, the bulk of the benevolence. We're here, and people come to us when they need help. The great majority of those cases, we really have no way of knowing whether that's true or not. We don't know if they're pulling one over on us, um, and often it is the case 
that as soon as they leave here, they go to the next church down the road and they say the same thing there and the next one down the road and they say the same thing there. And um, that's kind of how it's been done. And you can see the potential for flaws and abuse in that system. I've often said, and I think every preacher and every secretary and every elder that has ever dealt with this, I think we've all said, I would rather err on the side of grace and give people you know, that are scamming me help than to err on the side of not helping someone that really needed it. I think we all kind of operate in that default mode. But is there a better way to go about that? Well, Dave has come up with this. And this is where it involves all of us as a church family. Instead of letting the majority of the people, uh, the benevolence that we perform, be that that comes off the street and just asks of us, we want to be proactive. And we want to go to people and say, we know of your situation, we want to help you. Think of how much more positive that would be. What if you had no connection to this church And all of a sudden you get a knock on your door and somebody's there with help and say, you know, we heard from your friend that you were having this and that uh, going on and we want to help. This is from your friends at the Carnes Church of Christ. And we give them and meet their uh, physical needs, but we also give them material that helps them with their spiritual needs. And so here's the request. What we want, what Dave wants, what the elders want this year is for you to keep your eyes open. Do you know of situations going on in your circle of friends that someone could use some help? Maybe you know of something where you know somebody lost their house to a fire or some tragedy has happened. Maybe you know of something where maybe you know a family has been abandoned by a father or a mother and now they're just scrapping and they're struggling. If you know of situations like that, go talk to Dave Benner and say, Dave, I think I know someone that we can help. And he'll take that information down and maybe we can then respond to those people and out of the blue really blow them away with our generosity. Like these people don't have any, I don't have any connection to the Carnes Church of Christ. Why would they be helping me? Because of the love of Christ. That would have an impact and an appeal to not only just meet their uh, physical needs, but also gives us an open door to meet their spiritual needs as well. Now, will people still come off the street? Well, yes. But it's not going to be, there's going to be a process where we we review and, and make a little more assurance. But the majority of the good that we want to do is going to be done through your references. So keep that in mind. Keep your eyes open. If you know of situations, if you know of people, if you know of friends who can use some help, let Dave know, let the elders know, let someone know so that we can be proactive and reach out to them and touch their lives with the love of Christ. Another thing that we're going to be doing this year involves a project that we want you to be aware of, and it involves uh, five families in the congregation. 
But just because it only involves five families doesn't mean that there's no room for you to get involved, and I'll explain that in just a minute. Here's what the elders have done. They have set aside $2,500 of the benevolent budget, and they're going to entrust that to five families and say, here's $500 for your family, here's $500 for your... Five families are going to receive $500. And over the next quarter, those families are going to sit down and brainstorm. Think of ways to help people. Think of ways to do the most good for the amount of money that they have been entrusted with. Do you remember the story in Matthew chapter 25 of the talents? The the master goes away and he leaves his goods to to servants and and they're entrusted with that. What are they going to do with that money, those talents that have been entrusted? Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a Matthew 25. And we're going to give these families these funds that have been entrusted to them and they're going to be asked to be good stewards, to brainstorm as a family, moms and dads and children sitting down talking about what can we do good in the name of Jesus. Don't you think that will be good in and of itself? To be able to sit down as families and spend devotional time and and brainstorm, not about vacation and where we're going to go have fun, but how we're going to sacrifice they're going to be asked to, to try to grow that in whatever ways they can. Maybe it means they won't go out to eat one less time or, uh, you know, a week and, and use that money uh, to, to grow that money. Maybe it means that they'll, uh, you know, get rid of some stuff, have a, you know, get, get rid of some of the things that, that, that have been cluttering their house. Um, the point is they're going to have money, and for the next quarter, they're going to be thinking about ways to use that together as a family and praying about that and brainstorming about that. And then at the end of the quarter, they're going to come back and report to us and tell us how they were able to help and to use that money. I would encourage you all to get involved in this process and help them as they are uh, engaging in this process. It, It doesn't just have to be an exercise that they do, we can do it with them. Maybe you didn't, you, you weren't given any money, but can you not sit down with your family and do the same thing? Maybe you have $50 and you want to dedicate that and say, you know what, let, let's use this $50 to help somebody in some way that will point them to Jesus and the church here at Carnes and just blow them away. Why don't we all do that? Reach out in an unexpected way when a person... And they're helped. It's not them coming begging for help. It's us proactively going to them and saying, we noticed, we're interested, we want to help. Here's what this project, we hope that it will do. Number one, we hope that it will meet needs. We hope that people will be helped. And I'm sure that that will be the result. We we want families to work together on a project which requires sacrifice and compassion. Those are things that we want to accomplish in this. We uh, believe that it will be a, an opportunity for evangelism. 
the, the helping with spir- physical needs opens the door to helping with spiritual needs. And we believe that it will be an exercise in our discernment between what is good and what is better. And maybe we'll even get a better feel for what the elders have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. You see, they're always getting questions. Hey, I need help. I'm doing a mission work. I need, And they constantly get requests. Well, how do you turn all those good works down? You can't do them all. It requires discernment. And when we're given a limited amount of money and told to do good, well, now we've got to make discernment. Maybe it'll better help us to understand that, that dilemma and make us better at discerning between what is good and what is better. Well, here's how we did it. We put the names of everybody in a hat. Uh, we wanted it to be family, so we, we did it from like sixth grade through high school. We put all the families that had met that criteria in a hat. We shook it all up, drew names out. And these are the five families that were drawn and have agreed to do this. So look at that list. The Andersons, the Hofars, the Jacksons, the Pegs, and the Turners are, for the next quarter, going to be involved in this process. What, again, I would ask you to do is to help them partner with them in this and let's not just have the benevolence of the Carnes Church of Christ just be that sliver of pie at the end of a chart. But let's get excited about it. Realize that what we do is a reflection of the character of God and it opens doors spiritually to people when we're proactive Imagine if you were down and out on your luck and someone came to you and said, I, though I don't know you, I want to help. That would give you their ear to the gospel. And that's what we're trying to accomplish. I hope that we'll all get more involved in trying to develop within us a a benevolent spirit. For as I said at the beginning, It's the character of God. And let me close by this reminder. James 1 and verse 27. Pure religion, undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We cannot even practice pure religion unless we have a benevolent mindset. The Bible tells us again in Galatians 6 and verse 10, as we therefore have opportunity to do good, let us do good unto all men, especially unto those of the household of faith. Let's work at better reflecting the character of God in our lives in 2014. And in particular, let's focus on this benevolent quality of God who is good and who will not withhold good from others. May we be like him. If you're here this morning, you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel of Christ? Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you've never done that, why don't you make that decision this morning? If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you need the prayers of your brethren, we'll pray with you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.